It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Cynthia Emery, Professor and Chair of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery and Rehabilitation at Wake Forest University School of Medicine. Dr. Emery, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Laura. I appreciate your time today. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. You know, there's so much happening in healthcare, and it's just really excited to hear from your vantage point um, as a leader at Wake Forest. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So I appreciate the, the introduction. I'm Cynthia Emery. I'm professor and chair of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery and Rehabilitation at Wake Forest University School of Medicine, and we're located in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, I've been on our faculty since 2010, and I also trained here as a resident. Um, I spent a year in Miami for my fellowship in orthopedic oncology. So my primary clinical practice is taking care of adults and children with bone and soft tissue tumors. Um, I grew up mostly in the suburbs of Atlanta, and I went to UGA, Go Dogs, for undergrad and the medical and medical school at the Medical College of Georgia. And so I've always had an interest in anatomy and biomechanics. So orthopedics was a natural segue for me. Originally, I was headed towards sports medicine when I started residency. Um, two of my early mentors in the field were both sports medicine physicians, and so I wanted to grow up and be just like them. Uh, but then I got some exposure to orthopedic oncology and just really fell in love with the complexity of cases as well as the patient population. So I actually switched to orthopedic oncology uh, during my residency. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And so since then, you know, um, being in orthopedic oncology, uh, you know, what has really kept you in that space? It seems like just, you know, a perfect fit for you. And and as as things have evolved, and and I'm sure the um, complexities and approaches have evolved too, what's been really exciting in that space? What I've really enjoyed over the years is being able to have the longitudinal relationships with my patients. Orthopedics is a very interesting specialty in that there's a lot of immediate gratification there's a problem like a fracture or arthritis, and there's a surgical intervention to address that problem. And you really have that immediate gratification that you've helped that patient. And I still get that in oncology where I'm able to take cancers out of patients and can have that satisfaction of I've really made a difference today. And then the piece that I like on top of that is I also am able to develop these relationships with patients for years. And so even the first patient I ever took care of uh, is an attending surgeon. I just saw back for his follow-up um, about a year or so ago. And I just really, I really enjoy being able to have that relationship, that long-term relationship with my patients over time. Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it really sounds like a great position to be in. Now, what do you see as being some of the uh, big headwinds that you're planning on for this year? I know there are a lot of challenges overall and in healthcare in particular. Um, so when you think through, you know, orthopedics and um, where you're at with your department and then treating patients, what do you really have your eye on um, and what are some of the challenges that you foresee? Sure. Uh, I think that's a, that's a complex question. And sometimes uh, I, I often preface it with a lot of people have asked me, have you always wanted to be chair? 
Um, and, and so during your training uh, in medical school and residency, you don't really know much about administrative roles other than perhaps a little bit about maybe what your residency program director does. So it's uncommon for trainees to know about administration. I was good at problem solving. And so whether that was the rotation block schedule, building relationships, or maybe navigating conflict. So I can just continue to develop those skills over time during residency. And then when I came back as faculty uh, to Wake Forest, I assumed leadership roles pretty early in my career and, and kind of grew from man, grew from there. So some of the, the headwinds that I've encountered over time are, are these really these ideas of transition. So for this year, you know, all the leadership books in the recent literature will suggest that your first three to six months should be your listening tour, your time that you want to get to know people and understand what makes them tick, what gets them excited, what irritates them, and, and think about what your quick wins are. And in reality, you're expected to do all of that and run your business, make decisions that influence strategy for the next several months and years, identify key initiatives to optimize the financial strength of the organization, mentor faculty, residents, PAs and nurse practitioners, athletic trainers and students, and also meet with a bunch of people for reasons that really aren't always clear to you. So it really can be pretty overwhelming during your first few months. Our department has seen tremendous growth over the past decade. Um, I was around faculty member number 17 in the department when I was hired in 2010, and now we have over 85 faculty. On top of that, we've partnered with Atrium Health and more recently Advocate Aurora to form one large health system called Advocate Health, and that's all been in the past three years. That certainly can be daunting for really anyone, whether you're a brand new faculty member or a tenured professor. So I see part of my role this year is to help everyone understand what all of this means, looking for opportunities of how we can work together with our colleagues throughout the state of North Carolina and into Georgia and South Carolina, as well as in the Midwest now. And how do we grow this amazing clinical research and educational mission uh, group that we've got? And, and change is also really hard. Our organization is seeing leadership changes as it evolves and as it grows. And so I have this very interesting role to not only provide stability and reassurance while also driving change, growth, and strategy. Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, you really laid out so clearly about how important it is to obviously be connecting and listening to those in your department and really understanding what's so important for you as the chair um, to be thinking about and delivering on. But at the same time, you know, the business doesn't stop. The department doesn't stop. Things are going all the time. So, you know, trying to make that that balancing act of making decisions that are affecting the future without necessarily having all the information you need or, or would like at the time, I can imagine, you know, is definitely a change from just being in the operating room or um, connecting with patients and, and running your practice on a day to day basis. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Well, that, that's great to hear and, and great advice for anybody as well who might be thinking about jumping onto the administrative ta or track and, and doing more of that type of work. Now, you know, I wanted to ask you more about orthopedics as well. How has the field evolved over the, the last couple of years? You, you touched a little bit on it, but then too, how do you see it evolving in the future, next two to three years? What are you excited about and, and what possibilities will there be? Yeah, we're still on the fence with value-based care. So that's been a very, very popular topic and very hot as it relates to orthopedics over the past few years and will be in the next several years. We still practice primarily in a fee-for-service model. 
and we're feeling pressure to increase volumes and decrease costs, just like everybody is. We're fighting with insurance companies to allow us to care for patients and jumping through endless hoops with prior authorizations. And it, it's only the doctors and health systems that are held accountable in our current environment. I think you're gonna see a lot of activity in areas of advocacy to help remove barriers for patients so that they can get access to care and the treatment that they need. We've also seen substantial evolution in technology over the past decade, most notably probably with robotic surgery and AI platforms. And as more physicians, especially our younger generations, become more versed in the business of medicine, and as health system margins continue to shrink, the, the business case for bringing in new technology to your hospital or ASC is going to need to be pretty strong. You know, a new drug that has a 0.5% improvement in pain scores that costs 10 times more than the existing drug isn't going to make it on formulary. And our industry partners, in my opinion, need to be thinking about how to help us transition into value-based care. That is truly going to be, I think, the, the innovation and the market differentiator instead of just the latest and greatest technology, whether it's robotic-assisted or not. Absolutely. That's such a great point. And, you know, fascinating to think through um, what, what's really going to be beneficial for patients and, and how um, healthcare organizations can keep up. I know that value-based care has been a buzzword for a while. And, and like you said, there's you know not really been a, a firm uh, model of how to do it well and, and really make an impact. So it seems like that just continues to evolve. And it, it's great to see the technology um, getting to a space where you know, outcomes are better at the very least and, and really can augment what uh, um, surgeons have traditionally done to, to make for better procedures. And in, yeah. in, two, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity there to grow and develop. And I think especially for um, physicians who are starting off in the field, you know, where do you see some of the opportunities for continued growth and development? What should they be focused on if they, you know, obviously want to be great physicians, but also want to make an impact on healthcare and the community at large? I see our best opportunities for growth really at the ends of the age spectrum. And, and what I mean by that is injury prevention and wellness in our young athletes, especially kids that play year-round highly competitive sports and in addressing things like obesity and the medical and orthopedic complications that arise from childhood obesity. Two very different groups of kids, but both sets with a growing prevalence of orthopedic problems. Yeah, at Atrium Health, we have one of the largest athletic training programs in the country, and we're looking to address these issues in our schools that we support and in our communities. And, and then on the other side of things, I see the older adult population with exponentially growing needs for orthopedic services. And that may be management of osteoporosis-related fractures, complex fractures around joint replacements, and, and the huge impact that those injuries have not only to the patient's but also to their families and their support unit that wasn't planning to have to provide long-term care for their mom or their dad or their grandparent uh, while they have their full life, while they're working and have their own families uh, with their own kids that they have to care for. There's so much that we could be doing for these groups in, in clinical care, research, education, and, and our health systems really need to align with payers and our government to establish what these priorities are. The pool of surgeons who are qualified to manage these complex patients can't keep up with the demand. And these patients often require really unique expertise in complex medical management, which means that they're getting transferred to a tertiary or quaternary hospital that's already at capacity or over capacity. So then what happens to that patient who can't get in? 
that's one of the key areas that we've actually been focusing on at Wake Forest is how to manage the demand for complex patient transfers with a limited number of staff beds in a hospital. And, and that's something that we're seeing uh, nationally as a, as a huge problem for access for patients who need complex care. Absolutely. That's certainly something I've heard from other hospitals and, and leaders across the country. And it's fascinating to think through all the different um, areas that orthopedics touches, as you mentioned, you know, injuries and in athletes on the other end of the spectrum for, for kids, you know, obesity issues, and, and then to older adults. When you have such a wide, I guess, range of uh, patients and demographics that you're working with, and, and really, I can imagine all needing very, very different things. How do you balance all that and make sure that, you know, uh, as a um, physician and, and caregiver in, in organization institution, you're able to meet the needs of everybody who walks through the door as much as possible? Yeah, that's one of my primary roles as chair is to ensure that we have the right provider mix for the patients in our communities. And while everybody may want a particular high margin generating surgeon, what, are, what we're obligated to do is to provide care for the patients in our community. And so we have to make sure that we have the right balance of patients, of surgeons and non-operative orthopedic clinicians who can provide services for patients with arthritis, for patients with back problems and neck problems, for kids that have orthopedic issues and fractures, uh, and the whole gamut of orthopedic and musculoskeletal care. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest priorities that I have is to make sure that we have the, the ability to get the right patient to the right person at the right time. Absolutely. That's so important. Dr. Emery, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thanks so much for the opportunity to talk with you today.